here comes the
I pretty much predicted the fight as close to what happened at the end than any pundit, any boxer, any expert possibly could have done. This guy did it. This guy. This guy. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Also, we'll talk about week one of college football. We'll also talk about some of the some of the past actions of the weekend. And just a special shout out to those in the Houston area, uh, in the Houston, in, in all of South Texas. Hurricane Harvey's hitting these guys really, really hard, and hopefully everybody is safe. Hopefully everybody is is well. My um, thoughts and prayers are with those who have perished, those who are who are looking for loved ones, and those who are who are safe. So, and those who will be safe. So, with that being said, man, we're gonna jump straight into the devotional, and this was a really good one. This is this comes from our friends over at In Touch Ministries. The title of it: The Truth Can Set You Free, and. The reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. All of us have probably enjoyed times when we were selected for some honor or given an assignment that we considered special. Though such momentary comparison, they can remind us of the deep joy that comes from knowing we belong to Jesus forever. How sublime it is to realize that before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be part of his family. This choice, which means we were divinely selected to become conformed to the likeness of Christ, under under God and, and defines our identity as God's children. It stands as a great rock that stabilizes us when fear when fears multiply and anxieties attack. In spite of this, However, many believers become unsettled when they think about their own sin nature. Knowing God will condemn them all sin, they become fearful that the condemnation of the wicked might fall on them. At the same time, Satan is forever whispering in our ears, accusatory remarks about our behavior. He preys on our feelings of worthlessness. When this happens, we need to remind him and ourselves of God's word, which assures us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that the Father has marked you as one of his own. You are somebody very special to God. In fact, you are dear to him. You are so dear to him that he sent his only begotten son to a sinful world to die on the cross so that you and I could be near him. This is pure, unadulterated grace for which we should praise him uneasily. Man, sometimes you just gotta hear the truth before you gotta hear the truth before you can before you can walk before you can walk in the path. No other words needed. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna jump into Mayweather 
Mayweather McGregor. Y'all stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. And he's in the Press Box. And I, I'm just going to, like, pat myself on the back just a tad bit. See, I'm the only one who, I think I'm probably one of the only ones, one of the few people that actually gave Conor McGregor a shot against Against Money Mayweather, and here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand, and a lot of people said it was going to be McGregor's will over over Mayweather's skill, and I always said skill beats will every day, especially when you got a guy who's been doing it since he was since he was in diapers. I mean, literally. You look at a guy like, like Floyd Mayweather, who's fighting at the heaviest he's ever fought at, 149 pounds. He didn't even make the 154-pound mark. McGregor actually made actually made weight and was a pound under, which a lot of people was very surprised. Here's the thing that, that a lot of people didn't give Conor McGregor a shot at. They didn't think that he could possibly do the things that he did. I mean, he's slipping he's slipping that, that radar like right hand and countering with the left hand. He's doing everything that we thought he couldn't do. He even switched he even switched to conventional and landed a straight right hand over the top of the defense. That landed flush. I mean you throw over 500 punches. You throw almost 400 punches. You land, you land 111 power shots. You land almost 70. You land almost 70 jabs. Yet you only had like a 30, a 40 percent connect percentage, which is so high in the Mayweather standards that a lot of people. I just didn't think they would be that good. I, for one, thought I was going to be just, just a freaking circus. But I was so impressed. I was just so impressed by Conor McGregor, his his composure in those first six, seven rounds. I mean, he got in the deep water, and that's what Mayweather wanted to do. He wanted to bring him in the deep water. He wanted to just come straight at him. He wanted to throw that, throw that big right, throw that right hand that he that he just lands accurately over and over and over again. So, like I said in, in my prediction, his precision punching and his defense will will carry the day. And I thought it would carry him into a twelve round decision. It actually carried him into a ten round, a, ten, a tenth round TKO. Therefore, I was the closest in my prediction to most pundits, most boxers, most you know, most people in the fight game. I mean, a lot of people. You have to enjoy the fight as a whole. You have to because these are two guys who just stood up and just they brought it. They brought it. And they brought it all day long. 
I'm I'm so impressed by what by what by what how things occurred and how things happened. I mean, it just it just make it makes you so 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 happy. You know that this didn't make a sparse of the sport of boxing because boxing's been so far down in the last ten years that. It took guys like Keith Thurman. It took an Anthony Joshua, uh, Vladimir Klitschko type of fight to on those grand scales to bring boxing back to where it is. Will this help? Yes. I'll tell you who. what, what else will help. September 16th, and I'm telling you, September 16th, a lot of people say that that's not going to be a, a big, a, a good fight. But I, I, for one, actually am excited to see it. I'm so ready to see Canelo Triple G. It should happen. I can't wait for for early for midwinter, early early to midwinter. You know, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman. That's that's the fight that's going to happen. George Groves is going to fight. Going to fight James Gale at 168. I mean, got a lot of big fights that are coming up. I mean, the possibility of Terence Crawford moving up to 147. <laughs> And the, and the fact that Vassal Lomachenko is actually talking about fighting, actually talking about moving up to fight Terrence Crawford at 140, and there's so many good fights that are, that, are, that are bound to happen. It's making boxing come back to the forefront. Is it going to overtake MMA? <laughs> Not right now, but... The disappointing cards that we've seen in, in, in the UFC and the jumps that people are making from UFC to Bellator and Bellator still not regulating the drug, the the ones that have been popped for steroids. I mean, is this a saving for, for, for drug-based fighters, drug-enhanced fighters? So, you know, I, I can't watch Bellator like I want to, you know, the guys like Justin Gacy in UFC, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's going to maneuver himself for a title shot in the next in the next couple of fights. So, I mean, at 155, and I, I'm excited to see that. So, you know, it, combat sports as a whole, I mean, they should set up and take a bow. People who underestimated Conor McGregor and underestimated his skill, they should just take a step back and just look at what, look at the tape. I mean, Conor McGregor even went back and he said, he looked at the tape, he's like, he was so composed. Whereas, he took advantage of my eagerness. And he said, his experience beat me, not him. His experience did. I kind of buy, I, I, I agree. But then I disagree because he faded at the end. Instead of learning how to survive, he's backing straight up. He's not using the angles like he normally, like he did earlier in the fight. You know, he probably could have loaded up on punches because when when Mayweather comes on the attack, he does leave himself too susceptible to be to be punched. 
Um, that's what got him knocked down. That's what got him knocked down three times. He got knocked down in his career. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll stop early. I don't. I mean, a lot of people say it was stopped early. I say I say it 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 was, but then again, it wasn't. I say that. I say that Mayweather probably could have finished him earlier, say eighth round, ninth round. But he didn't. So we look at what's next for Money Mayweather. He's fifty and zero. He said that this is his last fight. Do I buy that? Hell no. Do I think that he wants to fight again? Possibly so. If there's another big money fight out there to be made, he'll be he'll be in it. I, I just really think that. I think he's just looking for big money fights. Say, for instance, if Canelo is willing to come back down to 54, they meet at 54 again, I can see Canelo in, in, in Mayweather doing it again. But I can also see a lot of he's telling people, you know, not to call him out. You know, he's done. Yeah, he may be done. But Pacquiao beats Horn. What what do we see next? Do we see Pacquiao maybe the two? Do we see I mean, there's a lot of things that are on the table. I mean, he's got a he's got a stable of fighters now. One became a world champion, one got stripped. Uh Geronte Davis got stripped of his title. He's moving up to thirty five. Uh Bobby Jack, who who's also a protege of, of Mayweather, the Swedish the Swedish boxer, just beat Tom Cleverly who for one of the um, secondary WBA championships. Um, he's not the super champion, but he did make himself a mandatory for Andre Ward. But here's the thing that, that a lot of people are talking about. Talk about the possibility of Bobby Jack, Adonis Stevenson. That's going to be a great fight. That's, that will be a great fight. I would love to see Adonis Stevenson, Andre Ward, but with the contractual issues, HBO Showtime probably won't happen. Not not in not in the near future. But there's some rumors that that Adonis Stevenson is wanting to be let go of his Showtime contract. He's got two fights left on it. He wants to fight those two fights. He wants to sign with HBO, so that way he can go after the likes of Adonis Stevenson. Go after the likes of of Sergey Kovalev, who will be fighting pretty soon, actually. Working his way back um, from that from that, that knockout loss that he had against, against Andre Ward. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of fights that, that can be made between now and then. But the two fights I'm really looking forward to seeing here in, next few, in the next few weeks, next few months, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, which will happen later in the year or early 2018. Of course, 20, 20, day, 20, you know, 20 plus days away from Canelo Triple G. You know, and that winner, who knows who that winner will get? Will Will that winner fight fight James Gale? Will that winner fight George Groves, who 
who said that he's willing to go down to 160 and fight the winner of that fight. So is James Gale. So we're, we're looking at we're looking at possibilities there. We're also looking at some other possibilities, other big fights. You know, um, Sean Porter, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Mikey Garcia. I mean, a lot of a lot of those a lot of those fights could be happening. Carl Frampton, Leo Santa Cruz three is is in the works. It will it happen? I hope it does. Will it happen soon? I hope it does. I mean, so like I said, there's a lot of great fights that are happening. A lot of a lot of things that that are on the table as of right now. So I mean, let's just let's just a, let's just a wait and see type of deal and. Yeah, just cannot wait to see what's going to happen in the next few months. But enough of that, enough of Mayweather and McGregor. I just think that, like I said, you have to follow the fight in, in McGregor. You have to have to love and respect the skill that is Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he brought it. Both going to be rich, rich men. Both going to get nine-figure paydays. Both are going to get some major, major, major pun, major plaudits for this, and they have, and I hope it continues. So, that being said, we're gonna move on, and we're gonna move on and just, just keep it going because we we we've got we've got some things that we need to talk about, and we're about to move on up. Impersonation, but it just didn't work out just then. But anyway, college football is back in the, in, in my stratosphere, to my life again. I'm so happy for you to be back. I had a long 280 something days away from you, and don't go away from me no time soon, okay? Please, thank you. But we're gonna talk about some talk about some scores and, and everything and. I'll put it this way. There were some big time matchups that a lot of people 
just did not really, really see. And Mike Bobo's Colorado State Rams just ran rough shot over over Oregon State yesterday, fifty eight to twenty seven. I mean twenty one unanswered points. I mean he's had he's he's going to have that team really dialed in and really set. They opened up a new stadium on campus. They're not playing at Hughes Stadium anymore. Uh Colorado State isn't got beautiful new on campus stadium that seats about forty thousand. Sold that place out last night. Sold that place out on Saturday afternoon, and they ran rough fight over Oregon State in that very first game there. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium, beautiful stadium, and CBS College Sports did a great job of broadcasting that game and and doing that game justice. I mean, that that was a great game to watch. It was a fun game to watch. Um. Also, another some other games of, of note: Stanford and, and Sydney beat Rice sixty-two to seven. Uh, Stanford put in an early, early notice out to the to the country that hey, because they lost a lot of players, you know, you got you got a quarterback that came for spring that played a little bit in KJ Costello, got a running game that that, that just won't quit. Even though they did lose lose running back, they got another running back that is just as good, and they've got they've got two throws in Costello and Taylor Chris who both played in that game and they both played lights out, fifty two to seven. It was starting one enough at halftime, and they just poured it on from there. They look, David Baylor's Rice Club, they're going to be okay in in the Conference USA. I think that they're, they're rebuilding a little bit. Better Baylor, um, probably on the hot seat. You know, if he doesn't have a winning season this year, he's probably going to be gone. But he has done so many good things in 11 years at Rice that you haven't seen anywhere else in the country. You know, when you look at some of the private institutions other than Stanford, other than than um other than Stanford and Wake Forest, you know, um, Miami, you know, those standard bear type type teams, you know, Northwestern, they'll throw Northwestern in there as well, and Baylor. You look at these private schools, and Rice has the smallest enrollment next to Tulsa in the country. and But they put out competitive squads year in and year out. So, with that being said, I mean David Bellows, he's doing he's doing what he can with very little, and hopefully, hopefully he can write the ship there this season, you know, and hopefully that you know he doesn't be let he doesn't get let go because he's one of the he's one of the great coaches. As I said, Texas is one of the great coaches in Conference USA. He's one of the great coaches. You know, that's not in in the um. Yeah, upper echelon, mid-major, or the group of five, or the um, the Power Five conferences. So he, he's one of those good, really good head coaches. Well, we we move on, and South Florida, Charles Strong, he inherited a great team from Jay, from Jerry Tag, who took Coach Taggart, who moved on to to Oregon. South Florida did not disappoint. 
going out to San Jose State and beating San Jose State 42-22. And I, I will say this. That cover is not left unfair by by the Coach Taggart. And he's got, he inherited a great quarterback. He inherited a pretty stout, solid defense. Um, he did add he did add the coordinator that he had last year, and I tell you, they 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 will be just as good, if not better, than people think. And and I, and I say that, and, and I and I will say that, and I will and I will stick to that. This South Florida team, do not be surprised if South Florida makes it to the New Year Six. They got one they got one tough game in conference. They got one tough game out of conference. They should run the table and possibly making it to the New Year's Six, if not sneaking to that, that top four. But New Year's Six would definitely be be a likely destination for South Florida. When we look at other we look at other other let's just go to week one and just look at the week one as a whole and And I tell you, man, I I am absolutely just I, I I'm so intrigued by by some of the top twenty five matches that we see, um, that we're going to see this weekend, on especially um, Thursday. I mean, Ohio State, Indiana. This is a much improved Indiana team. This is an Indiana team that that's probably going to be. Better than people think. Do I think they're going to be a dark horse in the Big Ten? I did say that. I did say that they were a year or so away. You know, Kevin Wilson did not leave that cover on Bear. He also got some great recruits in. He recruited so well in state. He kept a lot of kids in state. He kept a lot of kids coming to Indiana instead of going to the Purdue's and Notre Dame's of the world and out of state. You know, so this this is a good Indiana. This is going to be a good Indiana team. It's going to be a good test for Ohio State. You know, conference game to start off the season for both teams. This is gonna, this is going to be a litmus test for both teams. To be honest with you, JT Barrett coming into his senior year. You know, with the ups and downs he's had with injuries. I mean, and and key losses that he's had over his career. He's only had three losses as a, as a starter. So, I mean, can't really call them key losses, but still, Ohio State. Indiana could be could be a marquee matchup and better and a better game than people will think. Simply because you don't know what the new head coach is going, is going to be about. You know what kind of quarterback you have at Indiana. You know what what kind of running game you have at Indiana. You know those those key ingredients for Indiana are back. Ohio State got a lot of they lost a lot on defense. You know. And especially in the secondary, so they're going to be tested by the by the by the kids on from Indiana. They're going to be tested. They really are. But do I think do I think Ohio State has the firepower to to win this game? Oh yeah, definitely. They have the firepower to win this game handily. You know, I think they'll win it by at least two touchdowns, three at the most. I mean, but just don't underestimate. Indiana on Thursday night, it's an ESPN game. I mean, so we, we're, that's what I'm looking at. ESPN game, Indiana, Ohio State, Bloomington, at the Rock, you know, 
And here's another thing. Indiana's played the top four teams in the SEC, in, in the SEC in the Big Twelve in the Big Ten. Indiana, I mean Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and 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 Ohio State. They played those teams so tough at home that a lot of these lot of those schools aren't afraid to play Indiana at home. Indiana almost pulled the upset over over Michigan two years ago in Bloomington. So we know what we all know what Indiana can bring to the table. So that's why I say this isn't this isn't your mom's Indiana team. This is a this is a better Indiana team than people really think. So let's just don't underestimate Indiana. I'm gonna go with Ohio State. I'm gonna say two touchdowns because I think Ohio State went handily. But don't be surprised if this game is closer. That's that's basically what I'm saying. Washington Rutgers, Rutgers, the program is in shambles, pretty much. I mean, not saying in shambles per se. You know, new head coach. New head coach coming in, Kurt Flood. Um, he's got he's got some things going there that that, that could be better. I think he will be better as time goes by. But you're playing a Washington team that lost some guys in the secondary defensively, but they are pretty much reloading, and and that coaching staff at, at Washington under. Under Peterson, Chris Peterson, I love I love the quarterback Jake Browning. I think Jake Browning is is on the short list of Heisman Trophy contenders along with J T. Barrett. Um, I think when you look at Washington, no, there's no more John Ross. There's no more, you know, there's no more Buddha Baker. There's no more, there's no more of, of, the, of those really good guys that you hear about, but. They're reloading in places. They've got a great. They've got incoming freshmen that's probably going to play early on both sides of the ball. You got a veteran quarterback in Jake Browning who, who has mastered the offense, who has who's done great things in the offense. So, that being said, Washington Rutgers. I mean, Washington blew out Rutgers in Seattle last year. I don't see why they don't go to Piscataway and do the same thing. I mean. Rutgers, they're just a, a school, that, they're just a team that's two years away from being competitive again. Because they're reloading so much on the offensive side of the ball, they're reloading so much on the defensive side of the ball, that you, you really don't know what kind of Rutgers team you're going to have this year. I even said in the, in the Pit 10 preview that I think Rutgers will struggle to get four wins. I think they'll struggle to even get three wins, to be honest with you. You know, going back and looking at their schedule again. So, I mean, Rutgers can Rutgers if, if they come out competitive. I think they might make they might you know be able to to roll out some wins, but it's going to be very difficult for Rutgers to do anything this year. And I, I hate to say that, but uh, Washington Washington should handle Rutgers with this regularity. Just, just big time win. Utah State, Wisconsin. Chase Horny Brooks is going to take over that, take over that team. You know, he he's the guy. You know, he was the guy last late, uh, midway through the year last year, late last year. 
this year it's his team. This year he's he's the incumbent starter. The lefty he's ready to play. Bart Houston, you know, showed him the ropes a little bit, and I think that him playing under Bart Houston last year, seeing the composure that Houston played with, and then watching him play himself, watching the play that he played himself. This is a, this is a much softer team. You know, they've been beset with injuries already early in the year. You know, you lose a defensive lineman for the year. You lose your best tackler, Jack Chichi, um, with a torn ACL, and you, and you lose. And you just lost – and you just lost a a, um, a starting defensive lineman to a broken fifth metatarsal. So, that's – that's where a lot of people are going to want to try to exploit Wisconsin in their run game because those are two run stoppers and sure tacklers. So um, I hate to say it, but you know I like I like Wisconsin against against um, Utah State. I think they'll win the game pretty handily. But at the same time, I think that Wisconsin's going to struggle a little bit. You know to get to get the the eight, nine, ten wins, but you know it's still not out of the realm of possibility. So let's just put it that way. Penn State, Akron, we all know how that's going to go. Kent State, Clemson, y'all know how that's going to go. Maryland, Texas, this is this is an intriguing game. It's a twelve o'clock game, and it's intriguing to me. And the reason why I think it's intriguing because you have a much improved Maryland team. That did make it to a bowl game last year under DJ Durkin against a Tom Herman team in Texas. You know, first game out, you don't know what you're going to really get. You know, offensively, uh, you know what you're going to get out of out of Sandy Shell offensively, but they're going to go up against a stout defense in, in Maryland, and in Maryland, that that cover is not. That 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 team is, is going to be much improved defensively, I mean, much improved offensively. This is a litmus test of sorts for Texas in a, in, a, in a way, because they're playing at home, new excitement with Tom Herman on on the hill, you know, at the helm, and it's a new year for a true sophomore Sam Michelle, who did not disappoint in his first year on the Charles Strong. This is a guy who can who can really throw really throw the ball. He can throw the pill. And it's going to be – he's going to do things a little bit different from most. He's going to do things a little bit different than than people want to see. But at the same time, I think you're going to see – I think you're going to see something really, really good. And out of out of, out of all these – out of all these, these uh, top 25 teams, but – Maryland Texas has a has a little bit of intrigue to me a little bit. I think I think Texas wins, but game's gonna be close. Game's gonna be really, really close. And it's a game that's gonna be on FS one, twelve o'clock game, um, at Del K at, at, at Del K Roll. I mean at DKR. I mean, so we all know where where we're gonna where where the Texas fans gonna be at this weekend. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm really excited to see it. And hopefully, it, hopefully it's, it's a great game. Uh, it lives up to it lives up to a little bit of the hype that a lot of people are giving it. 
another good game that a lot of people are talking about. Michigan, Florida. Will we see Malik Zaire? Will we see Felipe Franks? Both of those guys have had outstanding, outstanding fall practices. Um, Felipe Franks had a great spring. So you're looking at a guy, you're looking at two guys who do it a little bit differently. Felipe Franks can get out and run the ball. He is athletic, but he's got a hose for an arm. And he's got a hose for an arm. Um, could have played baseball as well this season, but he decided to just concentrate on football. And I thought that was, I thought it was a great idea for him just to concentrate on, on just football because this is, this is a guy who can be an NFL type. He, he's almost NFL ready in a sense. But I think he has, to, he has to control his arm. He has to stop trying to fit the ball in some places where he doesn't need to fit the ball. And he, his, his, his field reads are so much better than, than what they were when he first came in as an incoming, as a, as a in spring, spring uh, time, as a spring enrollee, I should say. So, looking at looking at Florida, looking at Malik Zazier, who is was a Notre Dame transfer, graduate transfer, and we look at Kyle Trask. You know, there's no more Austin Appleby. Kyle Trask digressed a lot um, over the spring and into the fall. You know, he was light years ahead of, of Felipe Franks at this point last year. He was number two. Now he's number three behind Felipe Franks and Malik Zaire. I think the fact that Malik Zaire is in at Florida, I think it gives him a little bit of a different dimension than than what you want. Um, doesn't have as strong an arm as, as Felipe Franks does, but what he, well, what he can do is he can run the ball, and he can also – Make the full field reads, play the game, and play the game as well as anybody that we've seen. So, really excited to see what's going to happen here with Florida. And it's the same side, it's the flip side for Michigan. You don't know who you're going to play, whether it's going to be Wilton Fate, whether it's going to be John O'Corn. Um, you know, you don't have Sam Morrison anymore, who's, who's, um, who's left and went to uh, Central Michigan, and he's going to be a starting quarterback. He's going to be the starter at Central. But that that's the same thing that, that's going on at, at Michigan as well. You know, Wilson State had a great had a great spring. Donald Corn had a great spring. Um, they both had strong fall practices. Will we see four different quarterbacks between the two teams? I think we'll end up seeing five quarterbacks. But at the same time, I think – Michigan has has a little bit of a better running game than than, than Florida. I think that's what that's what's going to get Michigan through the through the game um, from the quarterback from the um, from the game management sector of it. But at the same time, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see this game because I really want to see what Michigan has and what Florida had and how they're going to manage the game together as a whole. I just say I just I just really think that you're looking at two really good teams that once they once they both settle on a quarterback, this can be a team to be reckoned with. I mean these are both teams to be reckoned with. I think Florida comes out of I think Florida 
can definitely come out of the SEC East if they can get past Georgia, which I picked Georgia to win anyway. So it's just it's going to be really, really difficult for both of these teams to go with multiple quarterbacks. But once Florida, once Florida and Michigan decide on their quarterbacks, they're going to be it's going to be a, a great, 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 great year for both teams. But I'm going to pick Michigan. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Big Ten school in Michigan because I just think that they just have they have the better running game than Florida does. They don't have an established running game because the running back that they had is now not there anymore. So there you have it. Another game that, that a lot of people are talking about, um, BYU LSU, which was supposed to be held in Houston. Nine times out of ten is going to um, a lot of people say that it's possibly going to be moved to the Superdome. Um, a lot of schools are, uh, and and um, the other possibility is there may be a double header at the Superdome uh, if that happens, where Tulane may move their game over to the Superdome from Newman Stadium, you know, to generate the, the ticket sales there. So I don't I don't know I mean that's just that's just congestion rumor all of a sudden so um, yeah which doesn't make sense and I hope it doesn't happen I hope that that Tulane stays at Yulman and plays their game at Yulman and this game between LSU BYU um, happens um, at you know in a dome. I think it's going to be a great game. BYU looked really good against Portland State last night. Um, I'm sorry, Saturday night. And and um, Saturday afternoon, I'm sorry. And um, LSU, they decided on the, on the decided on Danny Atlin as a starter, which I think is a which I think is a better move than having Miles Brennan as a starter. I think Miles Brennan needs to develop himself, let let himself develop, and I hope they let him develop. I hope they don't throw him into the fire because this is a guy who deserves to be to be groomed. I mean, he he is he is the future at, at LSU. He is a future great quarterback at LSU. I think that you know when you look at him, you look at Darius guys. Darius guys doesn't decide to leave school early. Um, I think that. You know, you pair him up with a Miles Brennan, I think that this could be just as good, if not better, than most. So I'm excited to see LSU. I'm excited to see BYU again. I'm possibly going to go ahead and go ahead and look at the, at the BYU game again um, later tonight. <laughs> um, but you know, because I just I love BYU. I love the confidence that they're playing with Kalani Sikake at, at as coach. There and you know last year was a little bit of a of a fall of a fallout, but at the same time, we look at BYU and look at LSU. I mean, similar pedigrees. I mean, national championships for BYU, national championships for LSU. You know, both schools have over have closest. Both schools have have over six hundred wins. I mean, so. You know that the pedigree is there. You know that they're, they're, they, quote, have the blue blood, the blue blood in them, you know. 
they're, they're almost like football royalty in, in a sense, and especially BYU being, being that, that faith-based school with that, that type of pedigree with legendary coaches like LaVille Edwards. And you look at legendary coaches that LSU have had, like the Les Miles, the, the uh, Nick Sabins, Curly Hallman's. No, I can't really say Curly Hallman, but <laughs> because, yeah, never mind. But, I mean, you get my drift. So we're looking at two at two-story programs and programs that have done it differently in a sense. You know, and but both offenses are going to be just as good, if not better, because Ty Detmer as as offensive coordinator and former quarterback at BYU, and then you got on the flip side you have um, LSU's coordinator, um, offensive coordinator, who is just he's not revolutionary in what he does, but he does things a little bit differently. I mean, he was at Pitt last year, and he, and he averaged 40 points a game. So, that being said, I mean, BYU, LSU, the equally matched game. But I wonder how – I wonder how things are going to go in this game. I mean, will it be ebbs and flows? We know defensively you're going to see two strong defenses. You know you're going to see the strong offenses. It's just whoever's going to crack first is going to, is going to lose his game. So, that being said, I think I think LSU wins his game. I think it's closer than people think. I think it's going to be a better game than people think. So, um, but I like I like BYU. I like BYU. I think BYU is going to be great this year. They've got a tough tough schedule, but LSU wins his game, and they win this game. Like I said, really, it's going to be a really close game. So. Y'all, y'all watch that game as well. Well, we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some more. We're gonna talk some Auburn football as well. So, y'all stay tuned.
Stretch out your legs, let me make you fall. Drop your insane, drop your upper wall. Staring at your dome piece, very strong. Stronger than pride, stronger than Teflon. Take it on the ab and you buy me links. Now I want a pound of until it stinks. You could be my mama and I'll be your boy. Original road boy, never am I coy. You could be a shorty in my ill convoy. Not to come across as a thug or a hood. But hun, you got the good, like Madeline Wood. By the way, my name's Malik, the five foot freak. They say we get together by the end of the week. She simply said no, label me a. I said, how you figure? My friends tell me so. I hate when silly groupies want to run their yes. Word to God, hun, I don't get down like that. I'll have you weak in the knees that you can hardly speak. Or we could do like Uncle Ella swinging F in my jeans. Keep it on the down, yo, we keep it discreet. See, I'm not the type of kid to have my biz in the street. If my mom don't approve, then I'll just be low. Let me take the little man from inside the boat. Let me hit it from the back, girl, I won't catch a hernia. Up on your couch, now you got demon furniture. Shy, he fight for the extra P. Stacy Beetle, PJ, and my man LG. They know the abstract is really so on ice. The character is of man, never ever a mice. Shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It has to do with lots of loving, and it ain't nothing nice.
www.desertstormradio.com Your global DJ network Brought to you by the world famous DJ Clue Clue
DesertStormRadio.com. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Let's get back into talking some college football, man. And so excited to talk about some of the bigger matchups of the weekend. And it's just no bigger than this one, to be honest with you. Number three, Florida State. Number one, Alabama. I mean, when you look at Florida State and Alabama, this game has playoff implications written all over it in every sense of the word. And not only does it have ramifications to go along with it, but it's going to go a long way to that 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 two-year-old question. Is the ACC better than the SEC? I think this year will will be the telltale. I mean, you still have rivalry games left left in the season, you know, between some in-state teams like Georgia, Georgia State, South Carolina, Clemson, um, you know, Florida, Florida State, they have you. So, in in that sense, we're looking at possibly one of the biggest matchups of the year. It's probably going to be the best matchup of the year. I'm really excited to see Jalen Hurts versus DeAndre Francois. I'm really excited to see that matchup. I'm excited to see the secondary, the secondary's matchup against these against these great receivers for both teams. The one thing that I that I'm really looking for, the other thing I'm really looking forward to seeing is what kind of what kind of what Jalen Hurts are we going to see? Are we going to see the Jalen Hurts who who was very composed throughout? last season as a true freshman, or are we going to see the Jalen Hurts that we saw late in that national championship game where some mental mistakes hurt his team and and, and it ended their, their, their undefeated run. But I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than people think. I think he's a better downfield thrower than people think. So I think we're going to see a lot of that in this game, as as we didn't see last season. I mean, we know that he can throw the same route really, really well. We know that that's probably one of his one of the better throws that he makes. I think Brian. I think working with a guy like Brian Dayball in a in a NFL pro style offense, I think that's going to help Jalen Hurts so much more than people really realize. I actually like. Actually, like Jalen Hurts, I think. I mean, watching him in the Houston area, um, watching him play football on TV in the Houston area, him, you know, and his brother play, you know, at Texas Southern. You, you can tell that he's he's, a, he's the son of a coach. You know, he he's not easily rattled. He's not he's not hard done by. But at the same time, I just look that you just look at. You look at the play, at, at his at his play, and you're gonna see something just just so different from from most from most quarterbacks. Because he can do things with his arms. He's deceptively fast. He's got a deceptively strong arm, and it, that's what makes Alabama so different. Is that 
they've got all these elite players, but you don't really see them. You don't really hear about them until they actually they actually playing. So, you know, we we're going to be looking at we're going to be looking at a true freshman at receiver, possibly. We're going to be looking at a true freshman at running back to complement both Scarborough and and the other two running backs there. So you're going to see four running backs more than likely. You're going to see uh, a couple of running backs from, from Florida State that's going to play. But the kicking game, is, I think this game is going to come down to the kicking game. Florida State has a strong kicking game, even though even though younger Aguayo, Ricky Aguayo, was a little bit, he was a little bit, he struggled just a tad bit in, in some of the games last year. But, but I think Florida State has a better kicking game, and but I don't think it will really matter in this in that sense because I think Alabama's running game is a little bit is, is light years better than than Florida State's than Florida State's uh, defense. I mean, I don't think the defense of Florida State will match up well with the offensive line. Of Florida State, I, I mean, with the offensive line of Alabama, I just Alabama's too strong up front, both defensively and offensively. I think the front seven for Alabama will take over. Will take over um, late in that game. I see Florida State wiltering in this game, but I also see a guy like DeAndre Francois willing his team on. So this is going to be a this is going to be a, a chess match of sorts, whether it's with between the defense, the offense defense coordinators of both schools, how they're going to play, where they're going to play, and and the best way to play them. So we're going to be looking at it from that standpoint. Am I excited to see this matchup? Heck yeah, heck yeah. The edge factor in this game for 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 Alabama is Bo Scarborough. Will he be healthy? I think. I think if he stays healthy, I think if he's healthy in this game. And he's at full go, like like a lot of people are saying he is. He's going to be the extra to practice Alabama. The underlying fact in this in this is this: there's no more coming with Field. There's no more Bobo Wilson. You got other receivers that have contributed this year and like will contribute this year that didn't do so much last year. That being said. Alabama wins this game. It's going to be a close game. Alabama wins this game. And they win it by playing defense and playing and playing keep away with a quick strike for the state offense. That's the way I see this game playing out. I think Florida State can strike quickly. I think they'll I think they'll get some get some deep balls over the top. I think they'll get at least one or two deep balls over the top. But I think that their teamwork, uh, their their under their underlying, you know, the understanding of of the field in his own that the under Francois has. You saw that a lot last year when people tried to play zone against him and not play man, not play press man coverage, like because you had so many speedy receivers on the field. But when they play zone, when on defense plays zone. I mean, Francois just knows where to put the ball at. He puts the ball accurate on time. He does not stare down receivers. He does not do anything of the sort. So 
I love this matchup. I really do. And it's going to be hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to say Alabama's going to win because I think Alabama will win, and I think it'll be very, very close. I think. I think this game comes down to who has the ball last. I also think, you know, it could be whoever has the ball last, or it could be whoever's defense takes over at the right time. And I think Alabama's defense is better than people think. And Alabama's defense, even though they don't have the personnel that they have last year, they just reload and they re-tinker with that 3-4 defense every year. And it's a different 3-4 defense every year. So it's a different type of 3-4 defense every year. So that being said, my Alabama wins this game. They win this game by at least a touchdown. I mean, it's going to be that close. I mean, I just think that Florida State's defense is really strong. I think Alabama's is a little bit better. I think offensively, Alabama's team is much better. I think Florida State, they've got to find some, they've got to find at least two more receivers within that roster that they can count on as well. So, you know, you're looking at a slightly younger Florida State team against a more a more college ready younger Alabama team. So that that's where that's where you you're really gonna draw the lines at. You know it that's where you're gonna draw the lines is the experience. And I think Alabama has a little bit more experience than Florida State does. Even though Florida State is very simulated Alabama isn't so much but a lot of underclassmen have played as true and as Richard freshmen. So, and they're groomed and they're ready for Alabama. So that's why I think Alabama has a little bit more of the experience factor because of the competition that you face day in and day out at Alabama. So, I like Alabama in this game again. I think Alabama wins 38 31. It's going to be even close. I mean, it could be even closer than that. I just think that Alabama, just, they've just got a little bit more than Florida State does. And I think we're going to see that in this matchup. Just really do. You know, the anticipation is so strong for for Auburn and and their new quarterback, Jared Stidham. You know, there's a lot of things that are, that are going on, you know, in and around the athletic department, especially with the women's softball program and, and the accusations that Haley Fagan has made and also – um, with the former head coach, um, with the former head softball coach um, there and his son and, and, and everything that's happened there, you know, I don't know how how, how that how that's gonna you know pan out pan out, and I hope that something good comes out of it. But um, you know, it doesn't take away from the football program, and here's here's the great thing about football. And around Auburn, there's a renewed optimism because we have a quarterback who can throw the ball downfield. We have uh, an experienced offensive line, and there's a lot of competition. I mean, there's a, we can go eight deep in, in, in on the offensive line on the offensive line where we couldn't do that last year. We got three quarterbacks that can play, where whereas we only had really just one, you know. John Franklin is no longer on the on the squad. He 
drafted as a graduate transfer and enrolled at at Florida Atlantic to play under the play underneath um, Lane Kiffin, which is cool, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, and then you also have other players that have, that have moved on, Stanton Truett, um, graduate transfer, moved on to North Carolina, uh, where I thought he would be a great asset to us this year. He moved on to North Carolina and going to be an even greater asset at North Carolina. Um Rock Thomas moved on, and he had an absolutely excellent game Saturday night in in Montgomery with Jacksonville State, uh, rushing almost 200 yards, at, at, you know, in their opener in Jacksonville State's opener. So we look at past Auburn players, we look at current Auburn players: Sean White, Jared Stidham, and and Malik, and, and, uh, Malik Willis had spirited competition. And from what I understand from from talking to a couple of people in and around the Auburn program, Malik Willis in the other year would probably would probably have won the starting starting quarterback position um, over over Sean White. But you know this is Stidham's team. Uh, we knew that Jared Stidham was going to come in. We knew that he was possibly he's going to push to be the starting quarterback, and he won the starting quarterback job and. And it's going to be fun to see this team play against the triple option attack of Georgia Southern. Uh, I'm sorry, the 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 play of Georgia Southern. Uh, quarterback Seth Schumann played really well, you know, as a true freshman, former Rod Austin quarterback, former Rod Austin high school quarterback. You know, we all know that story program there. Um, Georgia Southern had a rough year last year. They they went three and nine last year, and and there's not much to line Georgia Southern team. I think Georgia Southern is going to come out with a little bit of different different focus than people think, and going to give Auburn a little bit more than than what than what we expect. But I think Auburn wins this game. Wins this game handily. And Jordan Hare, um, Jared Stidham is going to throw over three hundred yards. We're going to see a different type of defense from Auburn this year. We're going to see a lot of four-man fronts. We're going to see a lot of bare fronts, which is a four-man front uh, where there's going to be a de- uh, there's going to be a nose tackle over the center pretty much a lot of the times. Uh, you're going to see a bare front. You're also going to see a little bit of a of a two-gap uh, type. Type four three defense where you know they don't line up on the man they line up on the gap so um, you're gonna see a lot of that as well so I think with Auburn you know that front seven and then that great secondary that they have I think I think the secondary is, is much maligned from last year but at the same time you got the likes of Carlson Davis you know you lose you lose some guys as well so. I mean, this is a good this is a good team. Um top to bottom this is a really good team. So we it's gonna have a lot like I said, we're gonna have a lot of fun watching Auburn this year. Georgia's the same way, Georgia plays App State and App State's coming there looking for an upset. Can they get an upset? I think they can. I mean they almost did against Tennessee last year. And this Georgia team 
Jacob Beeson had a pretty good year last year as a true freshman. You know, but this year is I don't want to call it a make or break year for Jacob for Jacob Beeson, but I will call it a year where he where he's improved. You know, um a lot of people say that he that he looked good. You know, a lot of a lot of the Georgia people that I that I know um, in and around in and around the Georgia camp, um, have, have, I've talked to have told me that Jacob Eason is looking more and more like the Jacob Eason that we saw coming out of high school, where he he feels comfortable as a leader, where he feels comfortable as you know as a quarterback. You know, the, and you didn't see that last year. You know, you you saw him show glimpses, but you didn't see that full arsenal come out. This year, I think you're going to see him be, be more efficient. I think you're going to see him be be more of a of, of the takeover type type guy because he knows he's got two healthy running backs in Tony Michelle and Nick Chubb behind him, and also he's got some quarterback. He also got some running back play. Some receivers that will go up and catch the ball as well, and Riley really Terry Godwin and those guys. So with Georgia, with Georgia App State, App State, you know what you're going to get from a Scott Satterfield team. You're going to get pure unadulterated funk. Um, I mean, not. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get pure funk out of those guys because those guys are fearless. They're not going to they're not going to relent. They're not going to back down from you know. So. Those 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 fans over over there in Boone. I mean, it's a short drive. It's a short drive from Boone, North Carolina, over to Athens. It's about it's about two and a half hours. This is a good this is a good at state team. They they went eight and five last year, but at the same time, Appalachian State is one of those front runners for the for the Sun Belt, and. The reason why they're front runner for the Sun Belt conference is is this simple. They've got a lot coming back and they've got and they've got a lot coming in next year. They recruit very, very well. Appalachian State does. I mean and for them to just move up the way they did out of the SOCON and you know out of the SOCON you you know, you got a story. You know, you're already a story program because you you went to Michigan in, in 2005. You beat Michigan, a top five ranked Michigan team at Michigan Stadium. So you know what kind of team that that, that you had historically. This is a good App State team. This has always been a good App State team, whether it's been under 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 Coach Brewer, whether it was under. Um, under some of the other head coaches that they've had, and even under Scott Satterfield, when he transitioned this team from from an FCS superpower to an FBS, almost there, you know, a mid major a mid major power. So, I mean, you're starting you're going to start to see the ebbs and flows of Appalachian State. I mean, they're in their fourth year of of FBS football, they've already made the two bowl games, and they're getting even better as time goes by. I mean, can they upset Georgia? Sure they can upset Georgia. 
Do I think they upset Georgia? No, I don't think they upset Georgia. I don't think that Georgia will lose this game as much as they will give it away if they if they play the way that they did against Nickel State last year. And they struggled against Nickel State, and we know they struggled against Nickel State. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, you, you got to, you got to respect Nickel State for what they did last year. I mean, you just really do. And that's it. The excitement's there. I mean, a lot of a lot of pundits, a lot of the AP writers have picked them to win the SEC East. I've also picked them to win the SEC East. So I want to see them succeed in 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 a major way. I want to see them do things. In a way that we haven't seen them do things before, so I think I think Georgia will win this game. I think this game will be close. I think this game will be will be a dog fight. Um, no pun intended, but I think that Georgia's going to be in, a, in for a dog fight against against App State. I mean, you look at what they did at at Knox, in Knoxville last year. You know, taking taking that team to double overtime. And that was a good that was a good Tennessee team last year as well. I think it was the best team that that Bush Jones had Bush Jones had had, had at that at that present moment time. I think it's going to be even better this year. But yet we yet we move on. Montana State, Washington State. We do have a we do have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Luke Falk here, who you know last year. Washington State goes ten and four. They lose, they lose the Apple Cup and they lose, they lose uh, their bowl game. I mean, they lose the Apple Cup and they win their bowl game and and get the ten wins. This is a good, this is a good Washington State team. They have the potential to have a thousand yard rusher, to have a thousand yard rusher, three thousand yard receivers, and a five thousand yard passer. I mean, hasn't been done since. That hasn't been done since Guess My Zone was at Tulsa. So, I mean, this is, <laughs> you've got some you've got some pretty good players. You got some pretty good players on this team. I mean, you really do. So, you got some great receivers. You have a Blitnikoff, uh, watch candidate. Uh, at receiver, you have a you have a man award uh, watch list, a Maxwell Award watch list, uh, quarterback and fault again. So, and he's also a United Golden Arm Golden Arm uh, watch list guy. So you know what you're gonna get out of, out of this out of Luke Falk. But if you get the running game going the way that it should go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I mean, that's just being for real. That's just that's being real. That's being honest with you. This is a good, good, good. This could be a really good Washington State team that can make some noise in the Pac-12, in the Pac-12 North or in the Pac-12 as a whole. Do I think they beat Washington this year? I no, 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 no. But they they will beat Montana State and. 
And this is a, in Montana State. This is a pretty good team out of the Big Sky. I mean, they're they're on a downward they're in a downward slope right now, um, because of because of everything that's happened in in the state of Montana. But I think that Washington State wins that matchup Sunday. Let's go to Sunday. West Virginia Virginia Tech. This is such a different. This is so. Daniel Holgerson has expectations now. He has a different expectation now. I mean, you go, you go ten and three last year. You you almost. I mean, you go ten and three last year. You you win your bowl game. You beat some pretty quality competition along the way at at oh, last year in, in the Big Twelve. You played Oklahoma so strong that, that you almost beat them. And you got a really good Virginia Tech team under Coach Justin Fuente, who, again, they went 10-3 last year. So you have to you have to look at this game, and it's whoever can be – it's whoever can, can get off first. I mean – Got some prime offenses. Got some prime offenses. You got some, just a really good quarterback player, Will Greer, coming over from Florida. Um, you have a quarterback that that's an incumbent at at, at uh, Virginia Tech. His name uh, sits my mind right now. But Will Greer, his first start at at West Virginia. I just really think that West Virginia. Has got something different. They've got they've got they've got something special brewing at West Virginia, and they give Dana Holgerson at least one, two more years. I think you're going to see something that is so special at West Virginia uh, that you haven't seen since the lights since they had the Pat Whites, the, the Steve Slaytons, and, and those guys, you know, under uh, under Rich Rod. So. I mean, I just think that you you got something you got something special that's about that's about to pop at West Virginia. Can they can they beat Virginia Tech? I think they can beat Virginia Tech. Do I think they beat Virginia Tech in, in Blacksburg? It's gonna be very difficult because you look at any Justin Fuente coach team in the last three years, and you look at the quarterbacks he's had, you look at the players that he's had, you look at the defense is he's had. This is as this is good as they get. This is as good as it gets. I mean, it really is as good as it gets. And I I just think that this game is going to be one of those games you just – I think you, you grab you grab some popcorn, you order a pizza, you, you do anything you can, and you just sit down and watch. You just sit and watch. But – we're gonna take a quick session break. We'll be right back. We're gonna we're gonna come back and talk some more college football, and we're gonna wrap up. Y'all stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. We got we got like one more game to talk about for the last next week in week one. And that that's a pretty, really good game, actually, if you think about it. Tennessee, Georgia Tech has all the makings of being just one of the longest games ever. The longest short game ever. I mean, I'll put it that way. Because you got a quick strike Tennessee offense which with a with a quarterback who remains nameless. Oh, we don't know who the quarterback is. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. So, I mean, whether it's Quentin Dormley, Jared Guarantano, you know, one of the two, if not both, will play. You know, that's the same thing with Georgia Tech. You know, you lose Justin Thomas, who who was your your anchor on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Georgia Tech about to get into this this new deal with Adidas next year. I, I'm excited to see to see this game because this is a game that's going to test the will of both teams, whether. Well, the Texans will come out with a traditional triple option offense, which they will, whereas Tennessee's going to come out with that spread option attack all over the field type deal. It's going to be different. You know, it's going to be a battle of wills up front. I think Tennessee is more finesse up front than, than what they should. I think Georgia Tech is more power than what they should be. But at the same time, you look at this game as compared to most, this this could be action packed and then it also could just be just a complete dud all at the same time. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. Like I said, you don't know what you're going to get from from a Bush Jones Tennessee team. You know what you got from a Bush Jones Cincinnati team. You know what you would get from a Bush Jones Central Michigan team, but a Bush Jones Tennessee team, you, you don't know what the hell you're going to get. I mean, excuse my French, but that that's just the way that goes. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from those guys. I mean, no, like I said, like I said in the in, in the preview, in the SEC preview, no more Jalen Hurd, no more Alvin Kamara, no more um, no more um, no more quarterback. I mean, you know, it's it's what it is, and you got two good quarterbacks, you know, coming in coming into it. So I'm really excited to see what's going to happen between now and then. So uh, uh, let's just put it that way. Um. But I will do this. We'll say this. Because of what you're gonna see different <laughs> between the two between the two teams, I think because of the rarity that you play a a, a triple option team like Georgia Tech, you're not gonna see that the rest of the year. So preparing for that and then going right in the week two against someone else, I mean, it's not gonna be fun. It's not gonna be fun at all, so but I like Tennessee in this matchup. I don't know why I like Tennessee in this matchup because 
it doesn't make sense that I like Tennessee in this matchup. Just like I don't I don't know why I don't I don't know why I don't like Georgia Tech in this matchup. I just don't know. I mean it's weird. But anyway <laughs> but anyway, I, I just like I like Tennessee in this matchup. I guess because Tennessee's more well rounded. They can throw the ball, they can pass the ball. Dormandy has a great arm, you know, come out of State of Texas, we all knew what he had. You know, Jake Guantano playing in one of the toughest leagues in all of in all of high school football, that North Georgia that North Jersey Catholic League division up there. Um where he played at, you know, with the likes of Don Bosco Saint Don Bo- Don Bosco prep and in those schools, in, in in that in that conference up there, and he, he, he mama didn't raise no mama didn't raise no little no little boy. I mean, that boy that was all was all all man. So I can't wait to see I can't wait to see this game. I can't wait to see college football because then we get to see some real dudes out there do their thing. And and uh, week one, most wonderful time of the year. I mean, just can't wait. I can't wait. And you know, I cannot wait. Next week we'll be talking more college football. We'll be talking more MMA. We'll be talking more um, more combat sports. I mean, anything you want to talk about, man, we're going to talk about it. So um, I should appreciate the time that you guys have given me. Um, special thanks to the admin, Wendy. Special thanks to the T-Rex. Uh, the Live by Terrence Network as a whole. Um, the Guap boys, the Guap boys in the, in the building, will uh, can't wait to talk to those guys next week. Can't wait to talk. Can't wait to call in and talk to those guys and talk. Uh, just chop it up with those guys and uh, go check them out. And uh, next week, man, it's gonna be a big, gonna be a big week of premieres, man. Live by Chance show coming back. King Underground Media, uh, <laughs> King Underground Media is coming back. Uh, Turntable Thursdays will be back. You know, then the Guap Boys come in. Come, the Guap Live be, be on uh, on that one as well next week. So big weekend for the Live by Sands Network. Very excited about it. Also, also a possibility of Rex and Maine. So y'all, y'all stay tuned to that too. Um, I said special shout out to to a lot of to, to a lot of the listeners and my parents. Um, check him out. Check me out, man. All my social media: Jay Houston Seventeen, Twitter, Tailgate Crew on Twitter. Check out the Live by Chance Network, Twitter, Instagram. Myself, Jermaine Houston Seventeen on Instagram. Uh, Live by Chance Network on Instagram. Check out the um, check out the Hot Magazine's website. Check out the Hot Magazine. Um, <laughs> all all their social media as well. They're the Glock Boys. Check them out as well. Check them out. Uh, also, man, check out Admin Wendy. You know, so with that being said, man, everybody have a great week. I'll be with y'all next weekend and next week, and we'll be talking about some more football, reviewing some, reviewing some college football, and getting ready for the NFL. So with that being said, man, everybody have a great week, man. The boys of fall are back. So excited to see them back and. We'll also be talking some high school football and giving you some high school football scores as well, man. I'm just, like I said, I'm so excited to to be talking about college football again, man. And 
Oh, man. Oof. That being said, man, see y'all next week, man. Y'all enjoy the boys of fall. Listening to the call Fans going crazy for the boys at fall They didn't let just anybody in that club Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood To get the widow's game day jerseys down the hall Kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall. Well, let's turn and face the stars and stripes. Fighting back them butterflies. Call it in the air around right. Yes, sir, we want the ball. And it's knocking heads and talking trash. Slinging mud and dirt and grass. I got your number, I got your back. When your back's against the wall, you mess with one man, you got a song. The boys are falling. In little towns like mine, that's all they got. Newspaper clippings fill the coffee shops The old men will always think they know it all Young girls will dream about the boys will fall Well it's turning face the stars and stripes It's back them butterflies It's calling it I got your number, I got your back When your back's against the wall You mess with one man You got a fall You mess with one man, you got a song.